Her nights were lit by distant stars and the shimmer of moonlight on snow. But every dawn, she woke to darkness. Welcome back to the Feast of Dragons. We back. <laughs> we uh, back. The blind girl. Right into it. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have been skipping all over. As we're talking about sitting down to record, we've been talking about the last time we recorded an episode with Feast mm-hmm. or for Feast. In March of this past year with Lady Gwen from Lady uh, Lady uh, Lady Gwen from Lady Westeros. <laughs> Lady Gwen, our friend Jen from Radio Westeros, and it was John Nine. Yeah, that just feels like 5,000 years ago because since then we watched the entire last season and we did all of the sample chapters. And now we're back to take us through really through – we don't have a lot left. We have one chapter left of Feast in the combined reading at the end. So we're kind of at the end of Dance. Mm -hmm. What an awesome chapter to dive back into though. Especially after just doing the wind sample chapters. Yes, it feels so much like a sample chapter. Like the way this chapter is written and I feel like the atmosphere of it all and because Arya's um, position hasn't changed significantly. Um, they just like they put you in the right spirit. You were like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going back to the reading order at right. all. I'm actually still on a thing. I kind of got the same impression whenever I finished and I was just thinking about and like kind of doing the uh, pacing of Arya's chronology along the story, the sort of like Bravos and then post House of Black and White exposure and learning about them. And it feels because of the time, the passage of time in my own life, but also in the the way that George has spread it throughout the books, that there's so much more learning and time and actual stuff happening with Arya's storyline. But to everyone who's listening that is glad we're back to Feast of Dragons, first off, welcome back. Sorry about that uh, detour through season I'm eight. Sorry. Oh, through season eight. Okay. <laughs> and yes, the winds of winter. Uh, but uh, uh, it seems like a lot of time has passed. For sure. But it really hasn't. Our next chapter with Arya, after the one that we're talking about today, is Mercy. Mm-hmm. So here we are. It's all sort of just coming together. And uh, it was, I'm not sure how it was for you. But going back on the on the chapter today and giving it a read through and, of course, giving it like the signature study of passages and like trying to relate it in different ways as I do when I'm when I'm reading for the podcast versus just kind of like reading on my own. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more studious. I don't skip over little things. Right. You don't skim for yeah. plot. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I, I tend to not do that when I read <laughs> at, at all. Do you really do that? <laughs> yeah. What's that like? It's great. It's <laughs> great. You're like, who's Dark Star? <laughs> that's not me. That's uh, DJ David. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to that podcast, by the way, Hannah wasn't on that episode. Have you listened to it or I anything? I have listened Did to it. Did you listen to it? I listened to it from the beginning to the end. Whoa. So I what's listened- it like listening to your first Game of Bones episode? <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I actually genuinely – I just listened to it just to like hit it up and check it out, but mm. I – Ended up listening to the whole thing. I thought it was really good. He's so fun to talk to. Yeah. And really smart and loves the story enough to be invested really into the lore mm-hmm. and the histories and the languages, of course, obviously, because he's had to for work. But it's so funny when people are really smart, like truly gifted people and really good at reading comprehension and lots of other things, but also super confident about not knowing anything. About, yes. he, like, he's worked on Game of Thrones, yeah. and he was like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. That thing from the books? And I was like, David, your confidence is refreshing. <laughs> when you guys just have such a good rapport, I feel like it's, it's just funny. So it was a good episode. It was fun. So that was our last one. And uh, like I said, we're back. So detours abound, but the blind girl, Arya. And I, like I said, I... It felt cool, like the 
the timing of everything. It seems like it's all coming together in the right way. Even my own experience with the story. I like this pacing it out over time and not forgetting about A Song of Ice and Fire while I wait for The Winds of Winter. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool. It's really cool. It's not kind of cool. It's awesome. And with that, what do you think? Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking about where I want to start with this chapter because I think that there's a couple – there's two really big reveal moments in this chapter that I feel like are worth us diving into, but I don't want to do that right off the bat. I think that the thing about this chapter is the majority of it is us continuing to follow Arya on her – or not Arya, excuse me, no one. Blind Beth. Or Blind Beth or whoever on. she's going to be in the moment. Um, following her through her journey at the House of Black and White and following her as she continues to acquire these new skills through her blindness. We see here, we see her here practicing and listening and really taking in all of Bravos. And I think that there's a lot of really cool details about the number of steps and what it feels like when the fog is clinging to her outfit and the way that she can tell whose footsteps are coming in, just all of these different honing of her senses. I think that the majority of this chapter is just an atmospheric catch up on what Ari has been doing, which I think is really interesting. I do too. And it's in a, uh, an interesting style. I know that through all these point of views that George is like really giving us some, some literary exercise. He's sort of stretching his muscles, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I would I would love to be able to do that in whatever art form to be able to be like, oh, I have this fully encapsulated universe encapsulated universe that you buy into. Here's the pirate chapter. Here's Arya doing these certain things. And in this one, it's weird. It's like a uh, it's like a a, a pacing reload. It's mm-hmm. like a reload of pacing. This is her first chapter in dance. So imagine yeah. you were waiting for that big gap. So do that point of view. Imagine you were waiting for it on the for the podcast before you read it or something. So here's the big wait. What's what's Arya going to be like? Well, she's dreaming about uh, Nymeria and her pack, and uh, about eating and uh, learning what it's like to be powerful in that way, and uh, have this sort of remote controlled sense of freedom outside of this really unfortunate situation. It's not like we thought it was going to go for her. Not that like we had an idea, but I, I guess when I think of stories, they typically fall in line a little bit more neatly. And the expression is built around a lot of angst and stuff really related to their age. And I don't think that a lot of that is really the case with Arya. I really think that there's so much adult element going on here. And uh, like this, this mention of rape a few times, maybe maybe just once There's in this chapter. There's mention of eating human flesh. But I'm always thinking about it. I'm always thinking about rape in a song of ice and fire. You know what I mean? It's like, what are these bad guys gonna do? Like this yeah. blind girl outside, like collecting money. Like when is when is George gonna mention it? There it is. You know, like so it's it's got the elements. It's got it's got it's got the the tone to not be what we. Th- think it could be for a kid that's going to get trained magically and learn how to be so much better at stuff. But that's kind of what this chapter is, which is so neat to me because I think I've really slept on a lot of like Ari's progress. Mm-hmm. And while this doesn't really convince me. the show lo- really. Yeah, I know. <laughs> knocked I, the wind out of our sails in terms of her bravosi adventure. I know. And I know that's not fair to put alongside my experience with the books, but it's kind of hard not to when it's so intense. Mm-hmm. And they did adapt it kind of closely to some degree, but Until obviously they, they just <laughs> dropped it off <laughs> completely. Totally the waif, the big villain of season five. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, that was a. It, I I liked it more, and much like when I came out on the other side of the Mercy chapter post-podcast, I feel a little bit more warmed up and different this way. So if you've been listening to the podcast and you can remember any of my opinions from the past, today I felt like I was warming up a lot more to the, the Bravo stuff in general because I really like the elements of her, whether Jack and Hagar or the Kindly Man or what the the well of souls or knowledge or whatever it is that's behind the house of black and white that's like putting her through this really felt like uh this was like a such a cold way to get her to be something mm-hmm. or do something mm-hmm. or realize something etc but it was just like it's so badass it is it's just take her eyes away and force her force her to live like someone that you know, starts to appreciate the small details on the inside of her sock or learning how to differentiate between the smell of a man and a woman. And I know that it's a lot of really tough time. And getting hit in the face with a stick is really shitty too. I mean, on top of all that, like the emotional abuse and just overall weirdness of this whole cult scenario. But she really is learning how to be more effective in Mm -hmm. general. And, like, imagine going through that and then coming out with your side again. Shitty experience, traumatically bad memories, but I don't know. I don't know what she prioritizes, honestly. I think it's interesting that she says or thinks often in her chap- this chapter back to these dreams that she's having. And I think that her ability to kind of interact with the outside world and see things while also in this state – it's an interesting way to continue to ground her in her Arya-ness or in her starkness. And obviously one of the main undercurrents of her storyline in all of A Song of Ice and Fire is how she, at the beneath, at the bottom of all these different characters that she's been playing, is Arya Stark. And so um, I just think that it's would be an interesting experience to be able to see and so intensely have these different senses um, when a lot of them have been taken away from you or when you're really con- when she's really confused and kind of figuring things out in her blind state. I also, in the same vein, in earlier chapters she talks about like her wolf senses and how they're so much more heightened in her dreams and how things smell more intense and taste more intense. And I think that It wasn't definitively written in this chapter, but as she is navigating the world as a blind person, those senses are being heightened in the real real world as well. Mm. And just what a big asset that 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 is for her. Um, And I just thought that that was cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, as a wolf, she's not burdened with the concepts of being a Stark or anything to do with the thematic imagery of her family or like who she owes vengeance to and all that. So although the task at hand would be bright and the taste would be less distracted. What were you going to say? Speaking about as vengeance, as a wolf, she says, she as she wakes up, says the blind girl, the blind girl, <laughs> the blind girl rolled on her side, sat up, sprang to her feet, stretched, dot, 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 dot. Sir Gregor, she thought, Dunson, Raph the Sweetling, Sir Illyn, Sir Marin, Queen Cersei, her morning prayer. Or was it? No, she thought, not mine. I am no one. That is a night wolf's prayer. Someday she will find them, hunt them, smell their fear, mm. taste their blood. Someday. And so I don't know if this is supposed to be pointed that 
Arya may eventually get her revenge as a wolf or um, what that's going to look like. But I just thought it was interesting that she equated that prayer with not Arya Stark, but with the Night Wolf. Right, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if it's because Arya's dead or so to her because she references Arya in 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 this chapter that way. Having died, yeah. She's talking about her family and like they're all dead except for John, which was interesting. But yeah, that's, that's, that's neat. It's like when I, when I think, I think George was writing about her senses being so sweet as an animal because of the reasons that I mentioned, I'm guessing, unless there's other sort of literary analogies that he's trying to evoke senses from. But, um, that's sort of recreated by losing her sight. It's like losing all the worries that a human would have versus a wolf, which is why the other stuff gets bigger and, and more accessible. I like that you were talking about her connection to the outside world, though, like while she's in the middle of this. It really depends on what's happening with the House of Black and White. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think, but let's just, for the sake of this point, like position it as she's a normal acolyte. Yeah. Maybe they're weirded out that she got the coin and so they're confused and they've done their research and the fact that she's Arya Stark and they know about her history and all that stuff, clearly they're very politically savvy and politically minded and all that stuff and interested in the politics of the world, blah, 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 blah. So that's all happening. But so maybe because of that, maybe they're putting her through a harder thing. Maybe it's even an easier one. I don't know. Maybe she is getting put through something that like maybe like only a few people have ever been able to get through. I don't really know. But having that access to like sort of having an escape like trap door, like Mm -hmm. if she's a prisoner, if she goes in her cell and there's like a portal to another universe is really allowing her to or at least I think it would allow her to be better at being trapped in this situation, which would allow her to be sane enough to be herself enough to get through this. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about how much of this is really like the point that George is trying to drive in. That's what I'm looking for in a lot of really great stuff made by humans. I'm looking to glean some part of like the ether that they've sort of instilled into it. So it's like, what is, what is the point here? Like, what is the message for Arya? Is it that she is so uniquely strong or is that because, is it because all this stuff is uniquely the situation that she's able to just keep her personality enough to progress through this sort of gauntlet and eke out some sense of self and eventually move on to the kind of mindset that she had at the end of the chapter when she was communicating with the cat and then eventually getting leveled up for being, I guess, so overly confident and right about guessing that it was him uh, fighting her that she she gets the blindness removed, you know, um, or it's something completely different. I'm not sure. I'm going to answer your question with another question. Perfect. <laughs> you lead into the reveal at the end of the chapter that Arya – Wargs into the cat, essentially. Skin changes, yes, wargs. Yes, whatever. <laughs> right. Whatever it's the technical term is. But we get this big reveal at the end. Um, as she's in that tavern in with that pirate guy. Can't remember his name right now. Um, and she's listening to the people talk about hard home, which is... <laughs> Yeah. A wild, yeah, that was, like, scenario to that be That was a in. crazy deal. It's like, wait, the ship from Hardhome's here? <laughs> yeah, like, wait a second. Um, the line says, and for a time it seemed that she could see them, too, through the slitted mm. yellow eyes of the tomcat purring on her lap. And so this idea of her skin changing into the cat. So you're talking about what's what are the faceless men doing with Arya at the mm. House of Black and White? What do they know about her? Are they putting her through these extra tests? Um, a question that I had at this 
a lot in this chapter, and I think a lot of other people who are reading this chapter have the same question is, with Arya skin changing here at the end and kind of cheating, potentially, by being able to see things around her, Yeah, is Arya cheating by skin changing? That's the question. Do the faceless men know that she's doing it? Do they not know that she's doing it? Do Is this like her gaining another ability that they meant to give her? Or is she like so clever and so Arya Stark different that she's able to best even what's happening at the House of Black and White and kind of slide under the radar and then cheat through her training? And I haven't quite decided. I'm leaning in one way or the other, but I haven't quite decided what I think. Um. It depends on the day. <laughs> um, but I just think it's I just think it's a really interesting question of who Arya is and like what George is trying mm. to do with this character. Like, is she going to be this over the top um she can even beat out the faceless men, or is she in her mind this over the top, but in reality they're very much controlling the situation. Remo- I go on. Oh, I was just going to say I would like to think that she's not above what's going on at the House of Black and White. But, I mean, who's to say? She was above what happened in Harrenhal. And right. they were all badasses. Right. So, I mean, and, and she's, she's a heroine of the story. So maybe she is doing this without their knowledge or their understanding. There's but. something about legacied groups where it's like, oh, you're like big and serious and super legit. There's this is impenetrable. I can't wait to learn from you. But an organization like the House of Black and White really benefits from that building, mm-hmm. really benefits from having such a long storied order, really benefits from the hushed tones that everyone uses when they're there. Really benefits from the savagery that they're willing to go to and the people that are willing to pay them for it and all the stuff. I don't know how responsible all of these individual people, the I think six or seven or eight people that actually live there, mm-hmm. are for the badassery that they get like treated with. And maybe the Arya storyline is a vessel, part of it, to reveal how bogus things that seem like they're so real and built maybe. actually are. I hope – part of me hopes not just because I like the mystique of Arya training under the most – Yeah, I do too. – legit assassins in the world. I know. I know that, that that's cool, but it's also – like what I'm saying is also kind of true. Like yeah, if this like, guy doesn't know about what she's doing, then he's bogus. I know. And he is tricking her. And I just hope so badly that they do know and that there's some sort of thing at play here because I just feel like to me that's such a much more interesting – Storyline, but it, it but very it's, it's real. Sorry, go on. I was saying it very well could not be the case. Like, she very well could be being able to do the skin change thing and then quickly be taken out of this blindness because it helps her answer these questions and it kind of helps her get to the finish line faster. Today's podcast is brought to you by Quip. Quip wants you to know the one single discovery that matters most for your dental care it is simply that if you have good habits, you're good. That means brushing for two minutes, twice a day, and flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. And I would like to say that it is very important to remember to do this, even when it's like 11 something p.m. or maybe it's a couple hours after that, and you're like, you know, I can just brush my teeth in the morning. Just don't go to bed with a dirty mouth. It It ain't like that anymore. Times are different. Don't do it. Quip makes that simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. 
Quip's electric brush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. And the Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough. Since Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months, your routine is always right. And yes, shipping is free. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at $25. If you have a toothbrush, you have to move it with your hands and your arm. And that movement creates the energy, and the brush brushes your teeth, and that's how you get clean. That's what we've been talking about today. An electric toothbrush will do much of that lifting for you, scientifically, sonically. It just makes sense. I'd also like to mention that Quip has the coolest looking electric toothbrush. It definitely looks like something that you'd want to have sitting on your counter or want to have hanging on the side of your mirror, something that you'd you'd like to pull out of your bag when you're traveling. If you're not using an electric toothbrush, I hope you have a really good reason. It seems like now, with the deal that we have, maybe it's time to change that. If you go to getquip.com slash game of owns right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash game of owns spelled G E T Q U I P dot com slash game of owns quip the good habits company. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I think that both would be cool. If, if the scale of the house of black and white is awesome, then I will buy into it. I will be like, hell yeah, you did the magical stuff and you sold me on it. Like how many, how does this work? Do they take the faces off? Like, can I talk to someone about it? <laughs> will there be an info dump paragraph about it? How does this work? You know, because I understand the corner of the room that she describes where it was like, that has candles that make people see shit. Yeah. It's like, okay, I understand that. I like candles that make you see shit. I just like candles. Sure. Right? <laughs> candles are cool. They have different uses. Aria has learned about those uses. And so she sees like, oh, okay. Like, for example, this guy uses crazy trickery, but this is the reason why he's so impressive or or whoever is fighting me at this moment is because they can't they they can see they've taken something from me. Yeah, that's how that's how that's how this magical thing is happening. They've taken me in. They put me in clothes. They've told me a bunch of stuff and they've taken something from me. You know, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of when I was reading. I was like, is George writing this whole thing? And it's, like, representative of just being in something that's really shitty. Because it feels like she's just in something that's really shitty. Yeah, but what about all the people that come to die there, you know? A lot of people die in shitty things. I know, but to me— A lot of people just sort of, like, hang their hat up. To me, that adds to, like—that adds depth to all of this lore is because people come here for—and continue to come here— no, I, I get it. I, I'm saying like sort of like a background analogy to what George is saying. Like Arya is kind of like stuck in a bad thing. And yeah. she's like, do I get out of this? How do, I'm not going to. Like I'm going to – I'm going to. I'm going to. very adamant. I'm going to work my way through it. But she has these little private little things that keep her sanity while she's in it. And she doesn't tell anyone about it. And she's like, yeah, one day I'll show them. But, you know, everything is too big and, and I have too many plans in my life. To change this. Like everything else fell apart and then I came here. You know what I mean? It's just very interesting to me how uh, – They would not make her yield. How it all comes together. 
I have a lot of quotes taken too. I have so many quotes in this chapter that I just want to read all of them. I'm looking for the one where she puts on the face of blind Beth and she thinks about her family because um, I just think that that's – I think that as we're like thinking about the mechanics of what it means to be part of the – part of all of this and she's putting on another another face and she asks um the waif is it ugly the blind girl asked it's not pretty good she'd never cared if she was pretty even when she was stupid Arya stark only her father had ever called her that him and john snow sometimes her mother used to say she could be pretty if she would just wash and brush her hair and take more care of her dress the way her sister did. To her sister and her sister's friends and all the rest, she had just been Arya Horseface, but they were all dead now, even Arya. Everyone but her half-brother, John. Some night she heard talk of him in the taverns and brothels of the Ragman's Harbor, the Black Bastard of the Wall. One man had called him. <laughs> even Jon Snow would never know Blind Beth, I bet. That made her sad. That made me sad. And so it's interesting, you mentioned earlier about her referencing Arya as being dead. And... She's just in a bad thing, as I'm telling you. She's just in a bad thing. And she's like, Ari's dead. It's like, you got Needle, though. <laughs> Ari's dead, and Ari's dead, and so, so yeah, is her she's wolf. Got, do, do they know that she has Needle? It's hard to say. <sighs> it, maybe. It all depends on what they're trying to do. What are they up to? Like, how, how deep does their organization go? And look to the rest of the story for sort of context clues on whether or not these House of Cards end up being anything at all. We haven't really got a lot of, like, revealing info yet. Like, for example, we've been inside the House of the Undying, and it was weird. All right? It was. It just was. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was weird, all right? I know that a lot of it had to do with, you know, trickery. That's the thing, man. People are, like, really good at blowing, like, smoke in people's face, and it makes them wig out. And they're like, see, believe. I know. It's like, what? I hired a magician for my office party for that exact reason. <laughs> Is he going to have smoke, do you think? I don't know. It's like sleight of hand magic, so it's supposed to That's be. That's cool. That's skill. That's neat stuff. It's really cool. But, like, everybody just wants to be, to buy into something. Hmm. I don't know. I, I just, to, I'm just thinking of narratively, like, what do I want for Arya's character? And I think narratively, I want this to be a legit squad. And legit spooky. Yeah. Like, I want Their it to faces. be legit. It's got to be spooky. Yeah. Narratively. It might be more interesting in the way you're talking about that she's stuck in a weird thing. But either way, no matter what it is, either way, she's going to come out the other side having honed so many skills and her senses being so incredibly heightened with a lot of powerful tools. And so I think that that's probably the broader overall message of like her, who she is being propelled forward is like, Aria, and that's what we had such an issue with in the season. What was it, season five? Mm-hmm. Season six? Season six, I think she was like mostly blind and getting the shit beat out of her. It was and six, season five is when she arrived. It was season six that I'm thinking of when everything with the waif and everything with everything fell apart. The waif. Well, it all, it all I just, just like saying her name. What you said was fine. It all just fell apart in such a anticlimactic way. To where everything. What, are you getting stabbed six times in the stomach? Was anticlimactic? It wasn't anticlimactic. It was just confusing. Like all of a sudden, she was just done with the House of Black and White. Like it all happened so quickly. There had been all this buildup for her to get there, and the mystery, and that's all this how you kind get of out stuff. Of a bad thing, though. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Is so like maybe that is the message of the. What I'm trying to say is the message that we got out of that was 
Arya is a legit assassin now. Like, oh, yeah. And she's the super chill. And she's really ruthless. <laughs> she that's, can beat Arya in a, or Brienne in a sword fight. That's what we learned from that. <laughs> maybe that's all we're, maybe that's all we need to learn from this. I mean, if there's a quick exit, I will get it more in this context, which I think is obvious because uh, we've got all this extra exposition and stuff. So that's no extra slide on the people making the show. But still, still. I can really sense where her head is and uh, her missing being cat of the canals. Oh, man, that struck, More than that struck a chord so much. I was like, oh, God, I'm sick of these weird one lines where George distills such obvious truths in through his characters. It's just like, come on, man. Not on a Wednesday. But you know, is it Wednesday? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I liked it though. I really liked it. I think that I think that Arya is in a in a interesting position because I mean, we go back to the the chapter of Mercy and where she's going after that. A lot of time has passed between here and now. Yes, I see like these early stages of mummery, like she's getting the mole added and stuff, and then George sort of escalates the whole thing, sort of borrowing on the momentum of how these past chapters in Bravos have gone. I think that she, if I'm going to keep the state of mind that I've been like sort of thinking about this chapter through for this whole episode, she's like found the confidence to break out of the thing that she was in, even though she's been having a good time in it. Cause like she's, she missed being cat. Mm-hmm. She liked getting, she's going to like getting her eyes back. It's not just like she really embraces the darkness so much and her stubbornness is really what she likes. It said at the end of this chapter that the candle that she saw when she woke was the, the most beautiful thing she had ever seen. Yeah. And I think that's really indicative of what where her heart is. And it's so easy to get confused by like the hard stuff making you feel hard and making you prioritize all the hard stuff. But I think that she really is someone that will enjoy seeing John again, that will enjoy seeing Sansa oh, again. Her seeing John is the only thing I've ever – that's like the biggest reunion buildup ever in A Song of Ice and Fire. Right, but she might not be that person if or she's like oddly cold and detached. He might not recognize her like he, she's saying how he wouldn't recognize Blind Beth. Right. Maybe he won't. There's no way he couldn't recognize Arya, though, right? Because she just cares about him so much, she'll fall right back into that line, right? <sighs> Needle was Jon Snow's smile. Exactly. So, yeah, she's she's you know feeling and and working her way through it, and uh, she ends up killing Raph at the end of Mercy, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, something crazy is going to happen now. But she was already sort of lit up while that was happening. Yeah. So I have a feeling that after Mercy. It's probably going to be one more chapter before she's out of there. It's got to be something like that, yeah. Because they're going to be mad. They're going to be like trying to kill her or something. Well, because she's already weird like she that. already kind of was. I mean, she became blind as a punishment anyway, right? For killing Darion, which is, I mean, he was he was a Westerosi official, but yeah. he had gone so deep in the Bravosi sort of slummery that he was a part of the local politics, but in a really undistinguished sort of throwaway kind of way he's not even like a local bravo with the kind of money that would influence anyone he's not even like the kind of person that she would get paid to spy on but when she takes out a westerosi like guard an official a ranking official interesting i'm really curious about what they're going to think about it and i think that's going to say a lot about the house of black and white it's going to be like 
are they really that like is it is it all politics and they're just tricking this young girl with all this mystery like we're really crazy is it all politics geopolitical movements iron bank of bravos money 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 golden dragons you know what i'm saying is it that or is it what they're saying and i think that after she kills a westerosi official and is lit up about it and they find out and i think we'll find we'll see the falling action we may honestly see uh judging by how the waif was and has been sort of like and this isn't colored by the tv show i'm, I'm thinking specifically about this chapter just extra hard on Arya and just sort of rude and stuff for some reason that seems to be pointed for some reason maybe it'll be the waif that's that's uh like just almost like the show honestly like really aggressing Arya mm-hmm. Jack and the kindly man etc says only death can pay for life and he describes the he gives a fragment of an overall genesis that we've talked about on the podcast before of where the, the order of the faceless men came from, from old Valyria. And he's talking about the original founding member who sort of set their philosophy, which must have been a really great guy or someone that was just really down on his luck. Cause it sounds like he was just binary thoughts. You know, he's like, I have nothing to lose. So, you know, I will live this slow life and accept these slow rules. When that slave that wanted his master or was it one of the masters? I'm not sure killed. And he had nothing to offer. The guy was like, Okay, let me think about this. I'm the first guy in this cult. I can kind of make the rules. <laughs> Convenient. Let's see. Hmm. Well, you don't have any money, and what we really need is money. So how about your life? Only death can pay for life. It seems fair. One life for another. If you don't have enough money that equals a life, maybe you don't want to kill yourself. So now you can be a lifelong member, and that's how we collect these guys, right? Will Jacken give his life, air quotes, like, like, ugh, I hate to reference the show, but it's like, I don't know, where did it come from? I mean, maybe it was just like, they're, they're as far as this chapter, and they're pulling on the most obvious stuff like we are in one po- podcast episode, which isn't that depressing. It's kind of indicative of the, of the Aria and the House in Black and White situation. It's like, how impressive are the Watchers? Mm-hmm. It's like, well... They're just other people that are in that position and they might have just thought of the first thing that they wrote too or there is something more to it like that the wave has some kind of strange aggression that we really don't like have the full story on yet. I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen with all that but it seems like it's really evident at this point that especially, I mean, you just got to read between the lines. It seems like she's progressing if you look at it straight on and maybe me four or five years ago thought this in the maelstrom of all my other thoughts that that was what was going on with Arya. But when you really look into it, it's a story about her being in this thing that's overwhelming and big and like, I don't know, like actively including her. When she's been. Just off on some other stuff. So not long. but But she's not even, even invested. Not really. She's not actually doing it is the thing. She's not actually doing it. Because she's doing the wolf stuff. Mm-hmm. She's like, you just wait. I'll beat you. And then now, at the end of the chapter, seemingly, I'm not sure, skin changes into the cat that follows her home from that bar. And she uses maybe an ability to see through that cat's eyes. Right, right. Which opens up another whole bag of worms, whichever direction that goes. Yeah. It's interesting. I think like we've been saying this whole time, this chapter – is just an exploration of kind of where Arya is at and is building to 
after that mercy chapter, like you're saying, kind of the, the her downfall of what's going to happen with the House of Black and White. I just hope that there's more to the waif and more to what's going on here than just People being cut and dry and then it's over, you know. So I'm excited to kind of explore that because – and I'm excited to explore what she does take away from here. And as she thinks so deeply about her past life, when she eventually heads back to Westeros, we can assume what pieces she'll then – fall back onto her in her subconscious from experiences like this. Yeah, there's not much left. We kind of know, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's, I mean, it's, it's a very revealing point of view. There's not a lot of hidden thoughts. Yeah. You know, she gives them to us, even like the really beautiful one in spite of all of her hard hardness that she's developed. Speaking of hardness, mm. can we talk about the hard home thing? Yeah, go for it. That's <laughs> quite a transition. I was like, where is this going to go? I just think that that's kind of the last piece that's really interesting that we haven't yet talked about in this chapter. Is oh, this- to you, I could talk about their uh, the 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 bar scene. <laughs> I enjoy that. I like that kind of stuff. The bar scene, yeah, like when she's like outside and he's like, "Ah, come inside." And yeah, he, the, the, yeah, yeah. He yeah. like gives her food. Like I, yeah. I like zooming in on the small Fuel stuff. Stuff. There's other stuff in the chapter because there's like the people that died. In the beginning, and, like, people have all these theories about who those guys could be. Right, in the different areas of Bravos that are explored as she's walking around, just like yeah. another tip of the hat. Right. I'm not trying to say that the rest of the chapter is no, I know. garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you just really wanted to make an awesome transition. I just think this hard home stuff is interesting. It is pretty cool, right? <laughs> it is pretty cool. I'm surprised that that's not something that you also think is interesting. I'm just, you know, I'm caught up on a lot of other feelings that I had previously sort of hidden away and needed to be refreshed after reading the chapter. Um. Yeah. Anyway, she gets more info about Hardom yeah. at the end. <laughs> it was very hard. <laughs> she's. I'm, I don't know what to say anymore. She's hanging out at the bar. She sees these guys come in. She's listening to them. We just we get more information about this very intense situation that John's in, mm-hmm. and I think that we'll probably have more of an opportunity to talk about this in the next John chapter that we get to, but. I just this idea of the wildings, wildlings. Everything that's happening in Hard Home to me is just really interesting, and to see what that's gonna, how that's gonna play out from a narr- book narrative perspective, is really interesting to me because John's gonna get screwed, and so to see a little taste of that here, and to kind of um, get news of something that's currently unfolding mm-hmm. that we haven't touched base with for a really long time um i think is interesting the end that's all (laughs) that's fair it was a nice reminder (laughs) that's all i i like the uh we've heard about the woods witch already but i like the that it's made its way to bravos the talk of the woods witch and the battle that was at the wall the king beyond the wall you know the wildlings falling essentially and then the ones that didn't want to convert which they didn't mention that by the way Mm -mm. i found to be interesting so i don't know if that part like about john i obviously i guess it hasn't really made its way or they didn't care to talk about his sort of i don't know what you would call those efforts he's trying to be i don't have the vocabulary for it he's trying to be a really good guy it's like when someone's being really generous you know like charitable his charitable efforts of (laughs) the wildlings they're not talking about that in this in this bar maybe they are in another place in bravos but uh 
he's he's like a like a satellite figure and Arya's super interested anytime he's mentioned but like to people he's just like the bastard which i just i think it's so interesting mm-hmm. to hear about these guys from limited perspectives when it's just not anywhere near the truth at all it's so funny how it's indicative of probably how things are in real life and so like what do I think about my favorite football players? It's not true. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Or like my favorite authors. It's like, how, thought, how thoughtful are you? <laughs> are you as thoughtful as I hope? Stuff like that. I really like. And uh, I I just, with the Woods Witch telling these people, like, I have a vision. I have a hope. I have a dream. That if one day <laughs> we go to hard home after all the shit hits the fan, some ships are going to be there to pull us out of it. They're like, you want us to go further up north? And she's like, yeah, we got to do that. And the ships that arrive are slave ships that were knocked off course. The gods are cruel. And they can only take so many of cruel them. Cruel gods. And the men have to let their women and children go. But they don't know They're what- like seeing their wives off. They're like, listen, these are your new guys. Like, enjoy your new any pimps. All of them. They don't know what's going on, though. They have no choice. They're, they're, they have no food. They have yeah. no food. They have white walkers. They're just twisted in the head because they're it's scared. It's chaos. Of yeah, it's, it's nuts. pure chaos. It's crazy. And so and, I'm God. looking forward to watching that. All of that it's unfold. the it's basically the end of the world for them. Me- yes. Meanwhile, we have like uh, I'm thinking of the very end of a dance with dragons and how comfortable everything is in King's Landing while the snow is falling and then like chaos finally reaches them. It's just so ripe. George has written such. <laughs> Bless you. George has written such a nice little puzzle box. Like, I find all these nice little mathematical similarities. I apologize. I would have to be reading in real time to find the thing, and I can dig through my pile of notes here, but I really want to stay on topic. Just little mathematical things that I appreciate being so true that inform other sort of, like, just ideas about the world that he's hinted at in other places that I think really just give the story purpose because it's just there's real stuff in it. There's not only – it's not only like this would be cool, but there's also real stuff in it. And that's part of the reason why I think that that stuff with Arya and that the House of Black and White being kind of like, you know, crazy and shadowy but not actually like really magical might be a thing because it's like yeah. a lot of – it's it that might make it better to me if all these other things are still true. And then this also, it's like humans, though, like we're a crazy lot. I don't know, though, because there's all this technology with the skin changing and the magic. I feel like we need to invite some of our friends back on so I can berate them with. <laughs> so what are your theories about mist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But for now, without the magic, even though that's how we begin the chapter and end the chapter. The whole chapter, period. It's it's uh, so feelingy and real, and uh, I just like seeing the progress through Arya's eyes. And um, I really wish I would have had that gap. I would have been really painful, but I really wish I would have had that feast gap between feast and dance and to read it for the first time and to be like, all right, I appreciate this. I appreciate the changes and... You know, she's been blind and she's, she's actually blind. But I got to say, kind of a letdown that she was only blind for a chapter, seemingly. Yeah, but the chapter 
this chapter covers a pretty covers large swath of time too. But it also covers it all, like because all the stuff you'd want to know, right? Right, but she's not. I think I, and I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but she's not reporting back every single night three things that she learned. Doesn't she report back like over some sort of course of time? Like she comes back in over some course of time. There's like a cadence to it. It's not like a nightly thing. Mm, and so I, I took it as nightly. I might be wrong. Maybe I could be wrong. I could be thinking of something else. I interpreted it as quite a bit of time is passing between all of these Aria chapters. But because she's in that cyclical routine mm. of what's going on, I don't think she's I like think Groundhog she, Day. Yeah, I think she's blind for weeks. Like she's able mm. to start to navigate her way. And she talks a lot about when she first she talks a lot about like all the nights she slept at the bottom of the stairs because she was lost and how she was so confused for such a long period of time that she would get turned around and wouldn't be able to find her way home and all this kind of stuff. I think to me that says that she's been going through this for quite some time. I get that, but I didn't feel it. I read it and he told me. He was like, this has happened. But I didn't feel that with Arya. I didn't like learn it with Is it because she cheated her way out the end? I Maybe. mean, honestly, that's she's she's not feeling all the stuff she's supposed to be feeling either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh. hmm. I just wanted to get out of it because uh, you know it's only a few people, and they're just like they're so boring. <laughs> you think this is boring? No, they're boring to her. Oh, I mean, yeah, they're boring okay. to her. She's like having such a good time at the play. She doesn't even want to leave. I know. She's like skipping though with Raph. You've been yeah. in good moods like that before, I'm sure. It's yeah, just, yeah. you know, I don't know if murder was at the end of it, but no. she was stoked about it. Pretty exciting. So uh, for me, that is George R. R. Martin and the blind girl. What was your own? Da, 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 da. Own of the chapter. I'm going to give an honorary own to the beverage of choice in this chapter, the black tar rum I learned about when the Song of Ice and Fire theme park ultimately opens, and you can play the Game of Thrones. You have to listen to our latest episode. It really makes you think um, for that shout-out on the new Game of Thrones uh, game show that I'm working on with the throne drop into the pit. That will also be at that theme park, and also you'll be able to buy black tar rum and to drink it there. So shout out to Black Tar Rum. That was a long shout out. I'm going to give my own shout out to my own, which is a shout out to all the cats and bravos <laughs> who remember Cat of the Canals. Literally Dang. struck every chord of goodness of my being. You took mine. That, that was yours? Yeah. So that's, that's it. Such, that was such a, it's, um, can I read the line? Go and for I'll it. You know me, don't you? She whispered. Cats were not fooled by mum- by mummer's moles. They remembered cat of the canals. Man. I don't know why certain things are so important. We need to get a therapist on here. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my own to the last line of the chapter. The last paragraph. And came and come the morning when the night wolf left her and she opened her eyes, she she saw a tallow candle burning where no candle had been the night before, its uncertain flame swaying back and forth like a whore at the happy port. She had never seen anything so beautiful. Her eyes are back. As you described it, things are lit up. Mm-hmm. And we are potentially coming to the end of our time at House of Black and White. We don't know what's going to happen. We have feelings about what that might look like, but we are going 100 miles per hour and making progress. Arya might be skin changing, which is a level up to her game. That's a 
going to be a pretty big game changer when you think about her back with Bran and John. And maybe a pack of wolves. Mm-hmm. Oh, think about that. Think about Arya piloting Nymeria. John piloting Ghost. What? Bran piloting Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> Can he say different words if he's in Hodor's uh, head? I don't know. That would be interesting. Uh, that's kind of an interesting question. I don't know. I bet, I bet Christian like really fought for that at some point <laughs> in the show. He's like, you know, I think really that... I think the Hodor, when Bran wargs into Hodor, the Hodor could be much more verbose. I could get some more lines. Next up, we're going to continue on our feast drive until we finish. <laughs> um, next up, we've got a ghost in Winterfell. So another unnamed chapter. A ghost And if you want to check out our reading order, if you want to get caught up on the reading order, if you're new to the reading order, um, if you want to see where we're going to go next, you can find the reading order at a feast with dragons. Dot com. And the whole podcast is on GameOfOwns.com. I think that, I mean, we're deep in the off-season. The only season the <laughs> off-season is, season is forever. House of the Dragon's coming back. <laughs> so, guys, the ship keeps sailing for some I reason. I heard Zac Efron's going to be in House Me too. I heard that too. And they're making him grow his hair out again, which is pretty cool. So, good for, good for Zac Efron. Really excited about that. You heard it here first, folks. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, things are going to keep going. But I think it's a really, it's a good time for me to feel more in line with the sort of back catalog, but that marries with what's happening at wins. Like this chapter matching so closely with Mercy gets me excited for the book that's coming whenever it could be years from now. And if it is, I think that we still have opportunities to find more of that stuff through the rest of this reading order, which I'm also really excited about. Mm-hmm. So if you really love this stuff, you must, because you're listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> And uh, I think that there's a lot of more really cool stuff to come. So thanks for joining us. Really exciting, and we're glad to be doing it still. And uh, we have another podcast if you want to listen to that. It's called It Really Makes You Think. And I know that it, it really will make you think. <laughs> Truly. I'm, I'm guaranteed that it will make you think. <laughs> you can find that podcast on Instagram at It Really Makes You Think. You can find this podcast on Instagram at Game of Owns, on Twitter at Game of Owns. You can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. Um, it really makes you think is also we can go to IRYMT or you can type in it really makes you think.com either one of those and it will take you to our YouTube channel that podcast is in video and audio form our last episode we we shot it in virtual reality <laughs> in, in Diagon Alley yeah we did in Florida <laughs> which probably sounds like I'm making that up because I've been making up a lot of stuff today <laughs> but that actually really happened and you can watch that it was, it was pretty exciting that's awesome it was awesome so we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back soon. And uh, a ghost in Winterfell. Yeah. Until next time, prepare your owns. Bye. <laughs>